Well, good morning. I was thinking since Tuesday is uh, Independence Day that uh, the what's the the Christian perspective? How do you celebrate appropriately? And uh, yeah, I can sing. Uh, I'm going to move this so I don't knock it down. So uh, that uh, kind of people view Independence Day and what it means to be an American very differently. Uh, as Christians, it, it really ought to be one of, of gratitude uh, that, uh, that where we live, uh, where we get to, to be, the uh, benefits of being here, the challenges of being here. Uh, these are things to be thankful for and out of gratitude we kind of uh, take it that way uh, kind of the reason I bring that up is there's always this uh, this tension as followers of Christ of, of what should be the priority and it should always be first and foremost we're followers of Jesus and uh, so regardless of the uh, the date on the calendar that we're Christians first and foremost. Uh, I was telling someone recently, I think it was some of my students. Uh, they said, well, we've got a holiday coming up. And uh, so I challenged them on what that meant. Uh, holiday means holy day. And I said, do people really take it that way? Is it really a holy day? And yet, as, as believers, every day is to be holy, set apart for the Lord. So I'll encourage you as you're uh, not just on Sunday, but, uh, but as you head into Independence Day on Tuesday, that, uh, that you set that day aside as a holy day, a day to uh, worship the Lord and be grateful for what he has done. We are continuing, uh, really looking at Second Peter 1 uh, and this idea that as we mature in the faith, we grow in Christ-likeness, uh, we're looking at our, our character arc as Christians, and it's that, that change that we go through in the course of our, our story with the Lord. And in Second uh, Peter Chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 5. I'm going to read that again. Uh, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is that, that arc of character, right? As, as Christians, as we grow in Christ's likeness, these are characteristics 
that we take on and they will keep us from being ineffective, Peter says, or unfruitful. You know how important it is for Christians to be fruitful. In fact, scripture says that that we would know Christians by our fruit. And so it's essential that we are, are fruitful. And so we're adding to our faith virtue, as we talked about last week, right? Virtue being moral strength of, of when you know what is right to do, you do it even when it's hard to do. It's challenging. Uh, it might cost you something as, as it uh, often does. And, and then we're adding to that knowledge. But how to add knowledge to your faith? Right? How do you do that? There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. I know it was a couple months ago, um, I actually talked about that very thing, that uh, the goal would be wisdom, right? Don't just know things, but there are things we need to know. I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up in church. In fact, I, I didn't start going to church until I was invited when I was in college and, uh, I made new friends and I, I heard the gospel for the first time. Then I made, made a decision to follow Christ. And, and I remember being at, uh, it was a Sunday after church, sitting around with my new Christian friends. And they were talking about things I didn't know. And it really bothered me. Right? There, were, there was just this, this uh, common knowledge that they had. Having grown up in the church, there were Bible stories they knew and songs they knew, and they had common experiences of going to, to children's camp and youth camp and, and VBS and all of these things I just didn't know anything about. And it bothered me. I wanted to know. And so I started right away trying to, to learn as much as I could about some of these things. And so I have three things that I'm going to encourage you to make these, not just pick one, but you really need to do all three to add knowledge to your faith. The first one is, should be the most obvious. It's to read, but I'm also going to add to read, study, and memorize the Bible, right? Our, our knowledge is essential. It's how we're equipped to be followers of Christ. Uh, notice that I separated that. I didn't just say, well, read it or study it. It's, it's actually read, study, and memorize. And they are different. It's like what we teach kids in school. There's different types of reading. Right There's the reading you do for fun. There's that reading you do for comprehension. And then there's a, a deeper level when you're, you're like, I'm going to be tested on this. Right? I'm not just going to be asked kind of a general vague question. I'm going to be asked something really deep, and I need to make sure I do well on the test. And all of these are essential. So, so how do you do that? Well, First of all, you, you start a program of regular reading, right? That should be, 
should be obvious, but, but maybe if you haven't thought about it that way, you put it on the calendar. Uh, there's so many tools now to do that. So you set a reminder on your phone when the alarm goes off, you, oh, I need to read the Bible. You have different apps with reading plans that you can use. When I first uh, became a Christian, we didn't have smartphones. And uh, so my pastor at the time got me a prescription to a, uh, it was a periodical that came in the mail. And once a month I got it and it said, here's everything you read for the month. And there were 12 of them. And so by the end of the, the 12th month, New Year's Eve, you'd read the whole Bible. And so I started, I did it faithfully because that was the only way. And so every day there was a passage in the Old Testament, New Testament, and here's something to to kind of learn about. Uh, You don't have to do it that way anymore. The apps are free, right? Download it and then then take it seriously and do it. I got to say, I appreciate when my app tells me you're doing really well. You've been in your your Bible every day for 672 days. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I miss a day and I'm like, oh no, I I read a different app or something, right? If you do that, that's not good. I guess. Right? It is essential to read the Bible regularly. You need to gain the knowledge that it has. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. You need the light to your path. If you don't have the light to your path, that's when you stumble and can get caught up on things you ought not. There's different ways to read the Bible. So you read it to read it. That might be your, your quiet time. Your, I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. Uh, I'm not studying it specifically, right? But, but you're reading it. Then there's times you really do need to study it. And, and you're going to have to decide how deep you're going to study it at that time. Uh, but there's some questions you could ask. There's lots of resources out there. Uh, but as far as studying, there's things like uh, background that you want. Uh, I'm reading this book of the Bible. Who's the author? Who's it written to? Uh, what's the theme? That kind of thing. Uh, if you have a study Bible, it'll tell you that stuff up front. Uh, there's maybe one of the things I often do. I'll read a passage, maybe a verse at a time, a paragraph at a time. And I'll say, now, what did that say? And kind of say it in my own words. If there's questions that come up, I, I jot those down. Uh, I'm not a journaler specifically, but I do write things down because I don't want to break the flow of what I'm reading. So then I go back and read that and try and answer those questions. I look up cross-references, other passages that might uh, give me insight, uh, personal application and what that might mean. And then... Uh, some this passage this chapter or this book was about this and kind of summarize it that way and so that might be just a preliminary way of of getting into it and there's like i said a lot of resources i was reading an article recently uh this was from the gospel coalition uh how to go deep into the bible without getting lost 
and thought that was helpful. And he actually, the author, uh, Ryan Martin, had three points. He said, first of all, words are flex flexible and contextual. And that sounds, wait, what? Yeah, the same word means has slightly different meaning based on the context it's in, right? So, so you do have to look at the word, but don't get so lost in the word that you forget the context. Okay, so you have to do that as well. Uh, details can detract from the flow of the text. Have you ever got so lost in a word that you forgot the context and you went, oh, wait a minute, it doesn't mean that because of the context. Uh, I've been teaching Bible study a long time. I had a, a, a gentleman uh, one time who after Bible study and I... I I was like, man, I nailed that. I did really good. He came up and he goes, you didn't say this. And I went, yeah, you're right. I didn't say that. Well, why not? Isn't that true? And I go, well, yeah, of course that's true. But that wasn't the context of where we're going with that passage. And he kind of got <laughs> irritated with me because he thought that was more important. So then I had to stop and go back and say, you know, that's kind of the, the incredible thing about scripture is it's alive. And you're going to understand different things at different times. It's why you don't just read it once and go, eh, I'm done. Right? When you read it again, you understand it differently. Because you're different and God's trying to tell you something differently about it. And then uh, the, the third thing that uh, Ryan Martin says, an individual text doesn't need to carry the whole weight of Christian theology. That's really important because you can kind of get lost in the details and then you could see something and go, wow, if this is true, what if, if it's not, that's why we do systematic theology. Systematic means it's not just that one verse that I will always just do that. It's, it's what does the whole of scripture say? And so we actually read it that way. Uh, we're going to read and study and then memorize. And some of you are like, yes, I love to memorize things. But most people don't, uh, but a system to memorize. The reason memorizing is so important is once you memorize it, it's kind of this incredible thing. You will always have access to that. You won't just have to go find it. Uh, I have to say, I'm not the best at memorizing scripture. I know lots of Christians that are so much better at it and I'm not supposed to be jealous, but I am. And I wish I was better at it and more disciplined in it, but I recently stopped to, to kind of think and go, well, how many scripture verses do I have memorized? Cause I didn't, didn't think I was good at it, but I started listing them out and I went, wow, I actually have a whole lot more memorized than I realized. Uh, so scripture memory is really helpful. Uh, some of you feel it really awkward now because you're like, I heard that before and I haven't done it still. He's bringing it up again. Yeah, it's still important. Uh, so you're going to read, study, and memorize scripture. The, the, the second one in that, how do we add knowledge to our faith? You're going to leverage the experience of others through the church. See, that's why God gave us church. That it's not just everything that I kind of face and I'm in this all by myself. It's we're in this together. That's what the church is. 
If you ever kind of face something and said, I'm just dealing with this and it's really hard and you're trying to do it by yourself, you're doing it wrong. You're not to face it by yourself. You're to do this with the church, right? Because they have experience and knowledge that you may not have. And they can come alongside and help you out. After the Bible, the church is the primary way God provides instruction. But this requires involvement and humility. You got to be involved with the church, right? Because it's really hard to call someone up and go, hey, can you help me out? If you don't have enough involvement to even have that connection with them. And then it takes humility. Openness to go, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. What do you think? And you will know what other people are going with because of the involvement, because you're already spending time with them. It also requires the participation of mature believers, right? The mature believers to go, yeah, okay, I'm here too. And the incredible thing about this is that everybody is both, right? Everybody is in a position to learn something from others. And everyone is, is in a position to contribute and help disciple others as well. So there's, there's none that go, man, I, I got it all wired, now, every one of us are in a position to help and to be helped. Uh, in Proverbs 9, 9, uh, give instruction to a wise man and he will still, he will be still wiser, teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning, right? So there's that relationship. You're wise if you're willing to learn. This is why the apostle Paul told those in the church of Philippi, Philippi to follow his example, right? He said, do what I do. This was four uh, nine in Philippians. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, he says, practice these things. Then the God of all peace will be with you. There's people that have gone through what you're going through and they can help you with that. That's why church is so important. So then you must put into practice what you see and what you have learned, right? So that's the, the third part of knowledge is to build experience by doing what you've learned. Now that you, you have to do what you know you're to do. Uh, this is probably the biggest challenge for me because... It's just kind of how I'm wired that when it seems like something is obvious, I can't figure out why people don't just do it. It's like, it's right there. Just do it. Do what's right. And then people go, well, it's hard to do what's right. But it's essential, right? If you're going to add knowledge, then you need to do what you know you're supposed to do. James 1.22. And James says, but be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That, that there are some that, that they'll read the Bible, they'll go to church, they'll claim the name of Christ, and then they know what they're supposed to do, and then they don't do it. No, he says, be doers of the word, just do it. 
And this requires the next area of growth to be added, self-control, right? So, so you're going to add knowledge, you're going to read the Bible, spend time with other believers, and then putting into practice what you're doing, but it takes self-control. So how do we add self-control to your faith? Well, self-control as opposed to being out of control, right? Thoughtful action instead of thoughtless reaction, the opposite of selfishness, because it requires self-control to think of others first. Self-control seems obvious. It's what we start working when we have children. It's what we're trying to teach them. You got to start off by helping control them, teaching them, training them so that at some point you can step back and say, you need to handle this. You know what you need to do. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Because temptation is common, we need to be prepared to deal with it. It's common, right? It's not like you're in facing temptation in some way that others like, man, never heard of that before. No, it's common. So how do we add self-control? How do we deal with temptation? Well, I've got uh, four, four steps to add self-control to your faith. Number one, understand the importance of self-control. Why is it important? Uh, think that it should be fairly obvious. And uh, by contradiction, we can kind of see it. If someone is not uh, uh, functioning with self-control, they're out of control. You represent yourself, your family, your church, most importantly, Jesus, right? What you do and how you act matters. And so it is essential. Number two, you can be someone who is adding self-control. You're going to identify areas of weakness. Those are areas where maybe you're most tempted. You know, you have uh, the most weakness, Maybe it's around certain people. When I'm around them, I say things, I do things. My inhibitions are lower. Uh, I need to be careful. Uh, maybe you know, look, when I drive, I get angry. When I'm around certain people, I get frustrated. Right? You need to identify those. The, the example that I would point to, unfortunately, is 2 Samuel 11, where King David, it says that in the spring when kings go to war, uh, David sent off his advisors, his, his soldiers, but he stayed in Jerusalem. He got up from his couch and he was walking on the roof and he saw a woman bathing. Well, 
you need to identify areas of weakness. And David did not. In fact, he gave in. But that takes us to step three, right? So if you identify an area of weakness, then number three, you avoid situations of difficulty. David should have looked away. David should have been more busy being the king and running the kingdom than he was. He had too much free time on his hands. Don't put yourself in a problematic situation where you'll have to face undue temptation. If there's an area of temptation in your life, you need to make sure you're taking steps to avoid it. That's why Paul wrote, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape, a way out, a way to avoid it. David should have, right? And he had opportunities to avoid it and didn't. And then number four, you find an accountability partner. You find someone that's going to come alongside. So think about this. King David. All right, look, I want to be with the army. I want to go fight in the war, but, but I've got some things I have to take care of back here. And he walks on the, the, the roof. He looks out. He sees a pretty woman and he's like, oh, no pretty woman. I've got an issue. Um, instead of call my buddy, Hey, see that woman, go bring her over here. Instead, he has an accountability partner. He's got somebody he can go, look, I need to do the right thing here. And he has someone that will speak truth and say, you're right. You've been a jerk before. That's not appropriate, right? He needs someone that will say that to him. Uh, what would that look like for you depends on your circumstance, your situation, right? Maybe you have an issue of, of anger. There's, there's this guy at work that, that just is really making me mad. And I, and I do my job, right? I avoid those situations that are problematic and I, I kind of stay away. But here I am because it's work and I'm kind of stuck and there's no way out. You send a text. Hey, Remember that guy I was telling you about how I'm having such issues? I don't have a way out right now. You need somebody that can talk you down. Someone that could come alongside and say, hey, I'm praying for you right now. I'm, help, I, I'm, I'm taking you before the Lord in prayer. You're going to do this. You're going you're gonna to represent Christ well in this situation. You need that. You need someone you can say that to. Uh, the, the way an accountability partner works, it needs to be someone uh, that's uh, men. You need to have a guy, ladies, you need to have a lady and you need to have uh, open uh, honesty. Here's the areas I struggle. Here's when I'm going to send that text to you and I need to help you to help me and I'll be there for you. You be there for me. Uh, if you're going to add self-control to your faith, you need to be honest with the areas in your life that are hard. 
honest with yourself, honest with God. And then, like I said, someone else that you can be open with to help you out. Depending on where you're at in this, uh, might be easy to do. I, I, I would just say there's times when this is not easy, right? None of this is, but it's worthwhile. And there's not been a time when I haven't talked to an accountability partner and shared an area of stress, of difficulty and temptation that I didn't grow close, closer with the Lord afterward. But I've had times where I wasn't as quick to share and there was more regret because I lost my temper. I said things I shouldn't have. I should, should have caught that ahead of time. It's worthwhile. Let's just admit from the start that we're in need of God's grace and that he desires to work in us and to grow us into his likeness. Scripture's clear. All have sinned and fall short of glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That we would acknowledge ourselves as sinners. Trust him that he would save us and forgive our sin. And then he promises everlasting life. But it means admitting that we're sinners in need of grace. I have some next steps for you today. Uh, first of all, that you would begin, if you haven't done so, or go deeper into scheduled Bible reading and study. And so maybe you haven't really done it much yet. And you're like, well, I kind of started, but I kind of fell away. Or you're right, I need to go deeper. I need to, to read it more. I need to study it more. Uh, I've had different times where I had uh, a better experience in growing in my, my study of scripture because of the group that I was studying with. And so I would always encourage you to do that. So not just reading it on your own, but reading it with others, some that will hold you accountable. And, uh, and then uh, the second one there, uh, my next step is to make plans to get to know a more mature Christian. And if, if you already have maybe a group, there's people that I know that, that have been there before me, then I would encourage that. But you have to make plans. It's kind of one of those things. It won't happen unless you are, are purposeful. To go and say, hey, can we meet for coffee? I've never had someone ask me, hey, can we meet for coffee that I turned them down? Right? So I, I would recommend, by the way, I didn't say call me. Like, look around. I make the recommendation. Make plans today. And then follow through. Right? Follow through. Can we meet for coffee? What's your schedule like? I'll come to you. I just want to get to know you. Most people would be flattered by that. 
and not creeped out, right? Outside the church, they kind of get creeped out by that. But inside the church, sounds good. Let's do it. So I would make that recommendation. So ultimately, what we're wanting to do is to look at the areas of our life where we're maybe, we know we're coming up short. We need to grow. And so any of these today where you're like, yeah, I need to do better on that. Then, then today's the day you start on that. I'm going to start reading my Bible more faithfully, going deeper in scripture. I'm going to work on self-control. I'm going to ask someone to help hold me accountable. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you have provided us the church. Father, that you have given us believers that have gone before us and that within the context of the church, we have support and encouragement, wisdom that we can rely on. Father, help us to be the church. I'm better every day. And Father, if there's uh, someone today that, as we were talking, they're looking at it going, you know, I need to do better in this area. That you bring that conviction and that courage, that self-control to take that step, to be more like you. Father, we, we, we do thank you. We thank you for your word. Continue to help us to read it, to study it, to memorize it. But really the hard part to do what it says, that we would be doers of the word, not just hearers. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for uh, his sacrifice on the cross, that we can be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.